Hey guys, I'm Dr. Richard Johnson, director of the Booker T. Washington Initiative at the Texas Public Policy Foundation and your host of the State of Black America podcast. Join me as we discuss the principles of freedom, entrepreneurship, and self-reliance with thought leaders across America. Welcome to everybody. We're here today with Carol Douglas of the law offices of Carol Douglas in Houston, Texas. Carol has a broad and wide array of experiences. I know she was also the regional director for the NAACP and the also the executive director for the NAACP uh, for Fort Bend County. Hi, Carol. How are you today? Great, Richard. Thanks for having me. Wonderful. We have a great show today lined up. We're going to talk a little bit about the parental freedom and freedom of choice. That is a hot topic uh, in today's education reform movements. And we talk about parental freedom. What is parental freedom? What What does it mean for a parent to have the freedom to choose the appropriate educational opportunities for their children? And, uh, and why is it such a big problem? Why, why the other side, you know, they say you're taking money out of public schools, giving it to private schools and giving it to charter schools. Why is this such a big problem if we're trying to do the best for our kids? What do you think, Carol? Um, It is definitely a topic that needs to be discussed around our nation as it pertains to the education, which directs so so much, if not all, of the future and um, opportunities available to our children. So there's always the issue ever since we've dealt with the separate but equal. Now we're with the public but equal, and is it really equal? And unfortunately, that answer has too often... um, appear to be no, it's not. When we look at the uh, the success rate of private schools uh, is incredibly high. We looked at the Opportunity Scholarship Program in Washington, D.C. that uh, Virginia uh, Ford brought forward, and it was, inc- it was incredible. 91% of those students graduated from high school and went on to live highly productive lives. It seems like a no-brainer that uh, the public schools would either adopt what the private schools are doing or be willing to allow parents to make that choice and move their children in, and particularly in low income areas where they can't afford to go to private schools. We need some help for those parents. Don't you think? Oh, I thoroughly agree. And whereas there are a few scholarships that are being made available to students from under Um, privileged communities to attend um, private school, we have to look at far more options than that. Because when you think about it, 90% of all school-aged children, K through 12, attend public school, not, uh, not private schools. And our public schools extend further into the rural area areas and the underprivileged areas than do private schools. So believe it or not, it would be easier for our public schools to begin to do a better job at um, emulating what the private schools do. The private schools' academic programs are far more vigorous, and that is why they have um, a greater percentage of their students who um, not only achieve their high school diploma, but go on to college. But you can also look at the comparative between 
um, schools in the lower income areas versus public schools in um, the middle and high income areas. There is a differential or a disparity there too in terms of which students finish high school and go on to college. So a lot of the difference between public school versus private school and continued matriculation to college may have a lot to do with the economics and eco, you know economic disparities versus whether they're in public school or private school. Well, the thing of it is, you know, if we look at the economics of it, if we look at uh, what it costs to go to public school versus what it costs to go to private school, I was looking at that uh, film, Miss Virginia, in Washington, D.C., the cost was $14,000 a year per child to go to public school and only $7,000 for the private school. And so basically the problem that that Miss Virginia was having was the public school uh, was really, really detrimental for her child. Uh, grow, coming, her child, she was bringing a child up in a in a low income area, and uh, and basically what the drug dealer said was he was the career choice for that area, and, and so that's too often true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the protector. If you don't work for the drug dealer, then you are the prey. Exactly. And so what she was trying to do was save her son's life. And I mean, it was a, it was a life and death decision that she had to make. And she could not afford the $7,000 and was really just getting a lot of pushback from uh, the elected officials in her area when she said she needed help. Well, yeah, and I must admit, um, thank you for uh, telling me about that trailer. And uh, Azua Duba was, I mean, profound. I mean, she was so good in that role, as was the young mouse bitch who played her son in that, the young man from This Is Us, the younger version um, of the black guy on there. But the difference is uh, with the $7,000 for a private school, that is most often being paid for by the parent. The $14,000, which is uh, the twice that of the cost for the private school, that 14000 is not being paid by the parent, it's being paid by the state. But there is really no excuse really in this day and age for our public schools to be lagging behind what is provided to our children in the private school. In private schools, um, they are not governed, you know, per se. Um, they are not supervised by the government. The teachers don't necessarily have to be certified. They they have a lot more freedom. And with ours being more, with public schools being more regulated, you would think that the students would fare better, that they would get uh, a more vigorous academic um, program and uh, training and development. But sadly, that is not the case. Realistically, all of the 90% of school-aged children who attend public schools would not be able to just switch over to a private school. So I understand that can you know there is no true freedom where there is no choice. However, it is not realistic to believe that every child can move from a public school to a private school. In Miss Virginia, that film, it was imperative because the young man's life was in danger. It's kind of like um, being a political uh, person that has to leave the country, you know, and um, come to the U.S. because you're in danger in your own country. 
Sometimes children. Yeah, let's, let's, let's put a pin in it right there, Carol, because I want I want I want to stay with that point for a moment, because when you look at young black males growing up in the inner city, for 13 years I had a drug treatment facility um, in in the inner city in Fifth Ward in Houston, Texas. You know, where we we work with predominantly young African-American and Hispanic males in between the ages of 11 and 18. These were life threatening situations. It was either these these kids, these little kids, these little boys were actually dying on the street. And when you have a, a mother or a parent that's faced with having to make some decisions, how do I save my son? How do I save my child? And 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 the public schools say, well, look, we're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna get it fixed sooner or later. We're gonna get you know the old saying in in, in the African American community, we're gonna do it by and by. Everything's gonna be better by and by. Well, if you don't have that kind of time, because what the drug dealer was saying to to Miss Virginia when he told her and he tore up her petitions and told her that. He is the career choice. He's the career choice for that community. So basically, if your son don't sell drugs for me and he doesn't get involved in what I'm doing, then he has no other choice. And so we have parents who are faced with that. I understand that, you know, 90 percent of the kids, you know, go to public schools and it's not going to change all overnight. But how do we then start dealing with those most endangered and vulnerable populations right now? Well, I think you're absolutely right that parents should be given choice. And say, say for instance, um, many schools like HISD have some kind of choice program. Um, and including that choice program are the magnet schools, um, the charter schools, um, you can do out of district transfers. You can, uh, you may be able to get a seat out of your district at a better school by the lottery. Well, I think that should be across the nation that parents should have choice, and that choice should not be um, limited based on economics. So you're absolutely right that parents should have choice, and then in the interim, well, not in the interim, in addition to those imperative situations like what you just explained. Um, if a person, if a child's life is under threat um, from bullying within the school, a bullying outside the school in the community, whether that's by a drug dealer or just some uh, ne'er-do-wells hanging around with nothing better to do. When a student is in danger in that way, then it could be automatic, imperative, exigent, that that parent is able to appeal and get that child um, moved to a better school. Um, and I, I did like the profound part where you were saying earlier that some, some people just can't wait. And they, they made that point very profoundly in the film. And she said, my son can't wait. And they definitely can't deal with the eventually some something in the by and by, pie and sky kind of promise. There right. are some things that have to be done, like even now. Mm-hmm. And now some parents have adopted the strategy that they can't afford to move into a different community. They may not um, get a vacant seat that opens up. So they push their children academically, which is a great strategy. 
so that they can um, apply or, you know, into the magnet programs. Um, magnet programs and some charter programs, they very closely uh, imitate um, some of the better private schools. So sometimes that's a way, an avenue of getting around those challenging communities where your child can't get an education because the school doesn't have good security. Let me, um, let, me, yeah. let me let me let me step right in right here because I want to give you a quick story. I uh, you know, with my with my two older children, uh, my wife came to me one day and she said, "Look, I don't want our children to go to public school uh, because the private school is doing very very well with kids from pre K through through sixth grade." And uh, of course, I, I I had a little pushback because I came up in the public schools, <laughs> right. and, you know, and I came up in the public schools in an all black neighborhood where, you know, fights were happening every day. And it was just the norm to see people fighting. And, you know, nowadays they call it bullying back in, you know, back in the day, we just call it everyday activity. You know, you see three or four fights going on after school every day. Um and so uh, I gave a little pushback and I said, well, look, I came up in the pri- in the public school system and I turned out all right. You know, not thinking that, you know, 85 percent of the guys in my neighborhood either went to prison or dead, you know. <laughs> so but I said, I came <laughs> Exactly. You know, I said, well, look, I came out all right. They ought to be able to make it. They're my kids. Right. And so uh, she said, well, no, I'm standing firm on this. I'm putting my foot down. They're going to go to St. Mary's. I said, well, look, we're not even Catholic. You know <laughs> why we sent our kids to a Catholic school. And so but there again, she put her foot down and I basically went along with it. And I'm so glad that I did. Now, here's here's where where it really got to me. This was before this predated my Dr. Richard Johnson years. This was Richard Johnson years. And um, when I got the invoice for the bill, uh, for the private school. And at that time I was paying, you know, over $10,000 worth of school taxes in another, in a high, high end district. And I said, why can't some of my money that I'm paying in taxes over here, at least help me with my, my children in private school. And, uh, and I started to look up to see if there was any kind of law, any kind of regulation. I even went to the school district and talked to them about it. And they said, there's absolutely no way this is, there is no law to help you here. And if they would have just said, if there was a law in the books uh, that basically said uh, for, for people who, who are able to pay for their children to go to private school, but it's a strain for them. We will we will alleviate that burden ten percent. I would have been happy, right? Some if it would have been ten dollars, I would have been happy, right? Anything to alleviate that burden, right? Because full disclosure, as you already um, know or may recall, um, Matthew, my only son, went to private school from the time he started school at age four, and that was Westbury Christian School. I was um, very pleased with the school. I shopped. I mean, I really shopped all of Houston's public and private to determine where I'd like him to be on the visit there. I really liked it. Um, He did really well there. One of the greatest advantages that private schools have over public schools most often 
is the uh, teacher to student ratio. And they had an excellent uh, teacher to student ratio, but they had so many wonderful academic programs. They had the mathematical Olympics and other academic areas of Olympics that they would be able to travel around the, the county, around the state nationally. And I think that public schools um, are trying to do a better job at giving students that kind of experience. But I must admit, I like the fact that it was a very, it has a very good reputation for safety, security, ethics, morality. But I think that that while we are aiming for the best educational experience for our children, we need to employ strategies on our way to that for, for doing better. And our public schools have got to make the academic programming more vigorous, but in a supportive kind of way, not in a stressful kind of way, and give them opportunities. But, it, you know, there are other experiences that need to be brought in that will further tie children, uh, whether they're in public school or private school, but particularly for public school students, further tie them to that educational process where they don't just stop at um, the high school diploma, but they go on to get a college degree and higher degrees. Sure, sure. Here, here's the thing. If we look at, if we look at our kids, you know, your son went to private school. My kids went to private school, you know, and, but I went to public school. I came up in public school, but public school back when, public school, when I came up, we, we had a lot of different options when I came up. We had vocational education. We had, you know, career co-ops. We had Hughes Tools was a part of, a, was an industry partner to my school. And so the students who studied drafting, they studied uh, how to design drill bits. And the students who studied metal shops studied how to read the designs and then make the drill bits. And so when they when they graduated, they were offered before they graduated, they were offered jobs going right into Hughes too. So if, if you wanted to go right into industry, you could back then because you had the skill sets and you were trained in at the in the high school level to be able to perform. And if you wanted to go into college, you could do that as well. But here's the thing. You and I have 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 been around in Houston and in Texas for a very very long time. We've we've been out on civil rights issues. We've fought, you know, for for civil rights issues for over the last 30 years. But here's here here's a question I want us to tangle with a little bit and that is why is there so much pushback by our elected officials? Uh, when it comes to school choice. And we know, and, and let me just say this and preference it a little bit and lead you into here. We know that most of their kids go to private schools too. That is true. But uh, let me say again, another point of full disclosure. I, like you, was raised up in the public school and all of my mother's children did exceedingly well academically and have gotten advanced degrees. She can now be proud of the fact that she's um, been able to lead her children and grandchildren. She has two PhDs, two JDs in the family, a few masters, several master's degrees. Public schools do a phenomenal job. I am quite an advocate for public schools. Let me say, let me say this. Let me say this, Carol. Public schools did a phenomenal job. I don't think they do a phenomenal well, job now. That's the concern that many parents have. That is the concern that many parents have. And so 
the, the, the problem is that when you come to whether parents should have choice, and like I said, I am a full advocate for public school, but I'm also an advocate for private school. I'm an advocate for parental choice for the child's education because I am first and foremost an advocate for educational um, and rewarding opportunities for children. Now you asked the, the question as to why politicians were so far against, so much against this whole uh, issue of, of choice. While their kids are going to private schools, why are they so uh, against school choice? Well, I do feel that part is hypocritical because even though I chose the, the um, private school avenue for my son, like I told you, I toured and researched all schools in the Houston area, public and private, and felt that that was the best um, environment for what I wanted my son to be able to experience. So I do embrace um, parental choice, um, but the concern of some of the politicians where it may appear to be hypocritical, the concern was that they didn't want the public schools to be gutted in terms of resources. I understand. I don't necessarily agree with their premise, but I understand why they're saying what they're saying. But here's the thing. The hypocrisy component of it, I don't really have an appreciation for. I don't either. I, I, I sat down with, with a lot of the guys that I know and the folks that I know, and I said, wait a minute, your kid goes to private school. Right. You know, at least, I'm going to be honest with you, I went back to my old high school. And I went back to my elementary school when I first, when I had my, my older kids, you know, when they first came, I looked, I said, I cannot send my kid to the school that I went to because the, the school that I went to is not the school that it was back then. Right. The teachers are not the teachers that we had back not. then. And the, pro, and the academic programming, it, those are not the programmings that we had back then. And so I had to make a, 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 a real-time decision exactly. about what's best for my kids. And I went over to the private school and they had all, all the programming and the same sort of teachers that I had back when I was a child. So I was willing to work two extra jobs to make that payment, even though I wish that some of my money that I was paying in taxes could have could have gone toward alleviating some of my burden. And, and I'll say, I, I have two things to say on that. Um, and for parents who cannot pay the school taxes and private school tuition, I agree with you that even if it's only a percentage of their taxes that can be diverted to paying their child's private school tuition in support of a parent's uh, right to choose, I think that should be done. But I also know that for me and, and my son's father at the time, because I'm an advocate of both public and private school, and I chose private school for my son, I was willing to, to not even care about or even be, I was happy about my tax dollars still going into the public school so that the, those who chose the public schools or those who couldn't choose other than the public schools may still have resources that they need um, through adequate funding. But it goes even beyond the funding. And I think on a community level, 
several other strategies have to be employed through the community-based organizations, through the churches, and not even just relying solely on the parents, that a lot of the learning has to be done not only in the classrooms with the didactic instruction there, but a lot of it has got to take place in the community and at home to make up for what they may or may not be getting in the public schools. And then all public schools, I think Florida has taught us that, that all public schools have got to beef up their security. Um, the schools need to be enclosed, every last one of them, so that people can't just walk up, you know, off the street onto the schools. But it, I think we also have to come back to the point that you were talking about in terms of vocational and technical schools, because research has shown that students who have that dual um, course where they have the academics, they're, they're um, seeking their high school diploma, but they're also involved in vocational and technical training, those dual students are more likely to continue on to college than those who don't have that dual training. Well, well, and the big thing, and the big thing, not to cut you off, but the big thing is 98% of those students who participate in career technology education graduate. You know, you can't can't beat those numbers. Now, whether or not they choose to go to college or choose to go into industry, that is is a personal choice of theirs. But but here's the thing. Give them options. And like you said, they are far more likely to, to graduate with their high school diploma. And a greater percentage of them go on to college. Yeah, let me add this for you because ninety-eight percent of them graduate from college. Then over seventy—I mean, graduate from high school—and then over seventy percent of those students do choose to go on and get an advanced degree. They do, and in the meantime, even in high school, when they're involved in those programs, and some of them are accepted at, into apprenticeship programs and internships. They are able then to have summer employment. They're able to earn a little money. So their economic uh, experience, as well as that of their household or family, is raised somewhat. And so, like you said earlier, even if they choose not to go to college, they already know what they're going to do because they go straight from high school into their vocation. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Completely um, much better with that. And so, so those are the types of policies that we need to bring forward where we need to be able to deal with parents who need help right now. You know, like Miss Virginia, her son couldn't wait. There are thousands and thousands of mothers in the inner city whose son just cannot wait. They're being killed off every day. Now, we don't have to go as far, go, go to Chicago. Yeah, we don't have to go to Chicago. We, we have it right here. You can go right to Sunnyside in Houston, which is the, the sixth most dangerous community in America to live in. So we have to have legislation and policy that will, well, will help those parents immediately. And then we also need to have ed, uh, legislation and policy that would allow career technology education back into the high schools at the high schools level and deal with uh, bringing in industry partners for those students. Would you agree? I completely agree. Completely. And on the way to that, as we lobby for those imperative changes that that need to be made, they must be made. Again, I cannot emphasize enough that we, like Miss Virginia, we even can't wait on the change in policy. We must push vigilantly 
and fervently for that change in the policy. And as we are moving towards that change, community-based organizations, municipalities, churches, corporations need to be able to create, need to begin to create these avenues of opportunity that we need to have more uh, neighborhood watch programs where children whose parents have to be at work or they may not be physically or mentally available to make sure that children are not walking through dangerous communities to and from school without having some kind of safety watch over them. And so many churches and so many people in churches that their vocational and academic programs that that need to be taking place in these churches and community-based organizations, even as we join hands and energies to push and lobby for these policy changes. Absolutely. The village must raise the child. Thank you so much for being on the show with us today, uh, Ms. Carol Douglas. We really appreciate you. We appreciate the fine work that you've done in our communities and that you are continuing to do in our communities. And we just look forward to working with you in the future. Thank you again. Thank you so much. Great topic. Thank you so much for joining us today for this important discussion. If you want to get plugged in with the Booker T. Washington Initiative, head over to TexasPolicy.com or find us on Facebook by searching for the Booker T. Washington Initiative. See you next time and God bless.